Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, equipping us to grow into a deeper walk with Christ. Part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We're going to talk about a new series that's just been released. It's going to become an amazing new resource that will benefit your local church. It's already been road tested in a number of churches. We'll find out how this all works because uh, dealing with all sorts of issues around the great stories that come from Australia's Christian history. Two years in production. Now this new series has just been released It demonstrates that the Christian history of Australia is more than just a minor footnote. The influence of the followers of Jesus on Australia has coloured almost every area of our lives. Well-known Australian Christian leader and social commentator Carl Fays is behind this new series. It's called Faith Runs Deep. Carl and his team have been driving around the countryside, from the cities to the outback, unearthing stories from history and today of people whose lives have been changed by Jesus and who have deeply influenced this nation. Carl Faze is CEO of Olive Tree Media. That's the outfit that's been behind some other great series like Jesus the Game Changer and Towards Belief. Well, this new series is called Faith Runs Deep. It has just been launched and Carl Faze is joining us. Carl, a special welcome back to 2020. Oh, great to be on 2020 and good to talk to you, Neil. And Carl, you had your official launch just last night. How did things go? Oh, it was great. It was a, it was a wonderful launch. We launched at Excelsior College here in Sydney, but uh, had lots and lots of people online. It was live streamed. And if, if people are interested, you could probably you can still find that live stream and watch it as well. Showed the first episode that, that was shown publicly uh, last night, and that was wonderful to show that episode. And, uh, yeah, the, the, we've, we've been in a partnership with Excelsior College here in Sydney, so that's been very positive for us. But uh, one of the great the great uh, things about the room that we used, they had a large room. You can actually drive a ute into the ute room. So we had the ute out the front, Neil, and uh, that was that was great because you don't normally have Christian media events with cars parked in the building, but that's, that's what we did, and it was wonderful. A few extra scratches and a little bit of wear and tear on the ute, isn't there? <laughs> now, don't tell anybody. That could be the case because <laughs> that would ref- that would reflect on my driving. No, one of the one one of the collateral damages was one um, was uh, one windscreen, and uh, the only major uh, wildlife loss was several birds. Right. Oh, okay. There's no uh, there's no kangaroos mounted on the bonnet at all. So no, avoided no, that. We, we did. The the funny thing is, we drove eighteen thousand three hundred kilometres uh, around regional Australia, and uh, saw one roo. So it wasn't. There was a lot of signs, but not a lot of roos. I think with all the rain, Neil, they're all away from the kind of townships, town centres, and out into the the bush, as it were. So there was certainly. I don't know what other people's experience across Australia listening to this are, but for us, we didn't, we didn't actually see many roos. Now we won't spend our whole time reflecting on the sort of vehicle you were driving, but an <laughs> iconic. Australian Holden Ute, and uh, it's a 2013 VF SSV 6-litre V8. Uh, I guess guess you loved driving it. Oh, it's it's a beautiful car. You know, um, and that was was a lot of fun to drive it. And it's it's the real Ute, Neil. 
not these newfangled things that they import from somewhere else. This was the uh, uh, one of the last models made in Australia, uh, which makes it even more iconic. And um, it's 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 just a wonderful car. It looks great. It's got some of the, the decals for. Um, Faith runs deep on the Ute, and it's uh, just adds. It's, it becomes. This is an odd thing to say, but it becomes its own character within the series. We do some interviews in the car with people off a GoPro, and lots of GoPro shots, you know, and the, the car arriving in, you know, er, er, all these places around Australia that we went. So it becomes just a kind of a character and a, a special part of the series. I'll bet you're glad you got back just before all the petrol prices started oh, to rise. <laughs> well, not only that, but we actually got back. Oh, we, we, you know, the, the difficulty with this whole filming was that we started filming, then got locked down in Sydney for 12 weeks, then started filming again. And, and the great relief and the great blessing for us is that we arrived back in Sydney from regional filming the week before the rain started. And fairly much it rained and was flooding in lots of the places that we'd been for the next month and a half after we'd got we had got back so a the fuel prices but b uh the rain uh, we had great weather and when people see the series you'll see lots of blue sky which is fantastic well a few challenges along the way hey yeah. let's talk about the australianness of this series because jesus the game changer one and two they mm. were international you've taken yep. in global stories about how faith affects lives this one is more really focused. It's an Australian series, True Blue. Yeah, and it's and, and it's all about uh, all of the character, all of the, the the guests, uh, except for one in one location. All of the guests are uh, from around Australia, uh, either historians, and we have like oh, there's about six to eight PhDs on this show, all Australians, and uh, reflecting on history and what they know about Australian history, but. Also, every episode has somebody telling their personal story, their story to faith, their challenges in their life and how uh, Jesus responded to their, into their lives and what difference that's made for their futures. Every, every episode has, a, has a, a wonderful story. Um, in fact, we showed one episode last night, which was the one called That Other Religion. And you don't need to be a genius to work out in Australia that that other religion is sport. So yeah. it's the episode wrapped around. <laughs> It's the episode wrapped around sport, Neil. But there was there's like six stories in that, and and uh, almost all of them, I think, actually tell a little bit of their personal story of coming to faith. But there's one story that's that's really key. So it, it feels Australian. It's shot across Australia, uh, but we did spend uh, two weeks in England uh, just over the New Year. Just left on the 27th of December of 2021, and uh, filmed um, some, some an interview and some pieces to camera around the UK because you know that's the as it was the modern, as we call it, European Australian, was birthed out of England. And why why send a group of people to this part of the world? What was the motivation? And some of the influences out of the UK into Australia. So that was kind of key to get. So that's the only international piece. So you've got a big spectrum. You've got those early pioneers. And yes. as you say, uh, digging down deeper into the roots that go right back into the UK. But then you've got uh, Indigenous elders, business yes. leaders, uh, innovators, artists, farmers, sporting greats. So you, you've taken a wide cross-section of Australian community life. Yeah, and, and there's so much to tell, Neil, that um, we, we feel like while there is a really wide spectrum, it, it's it you just feel like you're scratching the surface there's there's so much more to tell but we had to try and pick um, pick people from different parts of life 
and 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 look at their stories. Um, you know, but and even the business one. What's interesting for people across regional Australia is, you know, if you look at business, and and I say this in the introduction to the episode on business that uh, we. We tend to think about, if I said to people across Australia today, uh, you know, think of business, what do you think of? Well, we think of big, shiny, multi-storey buildings in the centre of town and millions, if not billions of dollars uh, traded on the stock market every day. But if you want to look at business and its beginnings and its genesis in Australia, uh, the episode's called Off the Sheep's Back because that's the beginning of business in Australia. Yeah, the bu- Business in Australia un- until relatively recently was actually had to do with the land, farming, agriculture and in the beginning sheep so sheep farmers in those early days and uh, there's probably a number of great pioneers that listeners would be able to name but those sheep farmers uh, recognized that there was a business opportunity uh, and australia got this reputation of living off the you know, the wool on a sheep's back uh, there's a certain sense in which those farmers they were driven by christian faith now, I wonder, some of the stories you're telling in your series uh, reflects on some of those early pioneer farmers. Yeah, let me just tell you about a couple. I mean, you know, the first sheep were brought to Australia by two people, the first merinos, rather, uh, brought from South America, I think, by two people. And one was John MacArthur. I'd like to talk a bit more about him in a moment. But the other was Reverend Samuel Marsden. Now, Marsden came to Australia as the second chaplain following Richard Johnson. And one of the great one of the great skills that Johnson and Marsden both brought to Australia is that they were at the time seen as probably the best farmers in the land. And, and what they were seeking to do is, as uh, Stuart Piggin, a historian, says, what they believed was, you know, a, a future for people was built around uh, an economic future. And having an economic future meant a viable industry. And one of those viable industries became, became wool and farming. And, and interestingly, John MacArthur is an interesting guy, but you know, in a way, Elizabeth MacArthur, is, his wife, is actually more significant. I mean, if you look at it, MacArthur himself, I mean, he was involved in the Rum Rebellion, gets sent back to England for nine years. That was the second time he'd been back and, you know, to deal, face court cases around the Rum Rebellion, comes back to Australia, then ends up for the last, I don't know, I think it was the decade of his life in an asylum because he was mentally quite unwell. It was actually his wife, Elizabeth MacArthur, that that developed and did most of the development of the farm and the wool industry. Um, And so she's a great. But, Neil, if I can just stay on wool, one of the places we interviewed, uh, one of the interviews we did and one of the places we filmed was actually at a place called Terrell Station. Now, other than if you live in Burke or out that area, and there'll be listeners out there listening to to us now from that area, Terrell Station was one of three stations owned by Samuel McCackie. And Makaki owned, listen to this, Neil, 3 million hectares out in that part of the world. <laughs> and he started these massive sheep farms. And, in fact, he was the first to bring in mechanical sh- uh, um, shears. I think he was also the first to bring in electric mechanical shears into his farm sheds. And across the three stations around Terrell Station, Nogalichi and another one, uh, he in one year he, he his his farms they sheared two hundred and fifty thousand sheep. Uh, the thing about Makaki through his whole life, a Presbyterian, deeply committed to Jesus, um, and gave away his wealth to all sorts of uh, ways of young men coming out of the war, uh, schools, uh, hospitals, uh, just remarkable, remarkable heart 
for the community. He was a brilliant farmer. He was a brilliant engineer. He was a brilliant innovator and businessman, but he was deeply committed to Jesus. And that part of the world, well, Australia really was influenced, but certainly that part of the world deeply influenced by the life of um, Samuel Makaki. And that that influence was actually wrapped around in at the time in that area, the sheep and wool. When you go into those areas and, uh, you know, you're looking out through the windscreen of your V8 ute, uh, you're stopping in country towns. Uh, I imagine you're connecting with country people. Did you find people in these towns and, say, around Burke uh, that were aware of this sort of history, that uh, maybe their families were connected? Uh, what sort of things did you find when you visited these communities, Carl? Yeah, it's interesting. We, the re- we got to a lot of this information in Burke from a guy called Paul. Paul Rowe. Now, if you look, if people are interested, look up Paul Rowe. He actually has he, a website. He calls himself the Outback Historian. And Paul Rowe lived in Burke because he he ran with uh, his friend, whose name McIntosh, um, oh, Laurie McIntosh, started uh, this uh, cornerstone community. And um, Colin Buchanan, who's on our series, great musician, children's musician, country music musician. Colin Buchanan actually started his music career and his faith uh, journey in leadership in ministry and faith by going to Cornerstone Community with Paul Rowe. Now, Paul Rowe was deeply connected into the the Burke community. So he introduced us to lots of people and they kind of know about um, Terrell Station and, and all, all of those bits and pieces. In fact, I it bumped into a uh, indigenous leader in Burke, Neil, and we chatted one day, and he, you know, and then the, and the, and he saw the Ute, and then the, it happened. We went to went to, had breakfast, and we were just sitting in the main street having breakfast, and the same guy chatted to us the next day, and he sort of said, "Oh, how are you going?" And uh, the Ute's parked right in front of him, and he said, uh, "So, what did you do yesterday?" And we said, "Oh, we we drove out to um, Terrell Station, and we drove the." And he looked at me, and he said, "I wouldn't drive that Ute out that road." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like the fact. That it bounced out of gear on the corrugations around one corner. <laughs> I, I I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so a lot of them, we got interviewed by the local radio person in um, in uh, in Burke, and so yeah, there there is interest. But the thing is, the thing is, uh, Neil, and and especially on on speaking on twenty vision twenty and vision media, the the whole sandstone curtain on the east coast really impacts Australia. You know, you've you've got the the, the the sandstone curtain of the, the Blue Mountains and uh, the Great Dividing Range. And, and there's so much of Australia lives along the coast and they don't get over those mountains. And if they do, they don't really understand the regional areas. Now, interestingly, I was born out there. I grew up out there. And and you realise what you get over that, that get past the sandstone curtain. There are communities, people, um, stories that have been circulating out there, as it were, for, for decades and most of the people on the, the the coastal side of the sandstone curtain don't know them. So this story is hopefully opening up some of those stories. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. You might like to join our conversation, a question, a comment, uh, even a critique. You're welcome, 1-800-316-316. Carl Fays is our special guest, CEO of Olive Tree Media, the new series that's just been launched called Faith Runs Deep. Hey, Carl, you mentioned you were from regional Australia. Uh, what does that mean? Where was uh, home for you? Yeah, well, I was born in Gunnedah, 
And uh, and the reason I was born in Gunnedah is my and this. And I should just say that some of these stories are actually in the series. Our director wanted Jane, my wife, who's a producer, to tell. Um, she, he basically said, you know, I think we should add a third plot to this this uh, this series, and the third plot should be your stories. So my some of my history and stories and some of my wife's Jane's are in there, and there's some very significant ones. Ask me about that later. But yeah, I was born uh, in Gunnedah because my dad came out from Germany as a, an immigrant, married my mum. Who was you know had lived growing up in Australia, and uh, he got he got uh, um, sponsored out by a farmer at a place just a, on a property called Brefney, just outside Tambar Springs. And a lot of the listeners uh, in regional New South Wales will know the name Tambar Springs, but almost nobody else. <laughs> it's a tiny place, Neil, tiny place. And so my first eight years were in Tambar Springs, uh, growing up on a farm. And then my my dad had became a Christian, and that's again a very special part of the series. We tell that story. Um, he decided to take on running a children's home. So mum and dad uh, and took uh, three three my brother and my sister, and there was another sister arrived later. But my mum and my dad uh, agreed to run for the Armadale Diocese, the Anglican Diocese of Armadale. They had a children's home in, called Coventry Home just outside of Armadale. And that was a house that there was one huge, big kind of country house that was uh, given to the diocese for a home. And uh, that home that had a revolving door of 18 other kids. So from the age of eight to when I left home at 17, going on 18, uh, we lived in a house with twenty other with with twenty kids and two adults and and uh, that was my growing up years in and it was just outside of Armadale. So, you know, I I moved, I moved out of Armadale and when I left home went to 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 Lithgow just just in the Blue Mountains and then to Newcastle before moving to Sydney. So yeah, a, a really significant part of my life was growing up in regional regional New South Wales. An amazing experience growing up in a country town in outback Australia. Now, interesting thought comes to mind, Carl, that there are Christian foundations for our country towns everywhere around Australia and for for listeners you might know some of your own history and uh, you might like to contribute some of that today mm. but but so many country towns uh, you drive into town and there are churches everywhere uh, churches yep. that were born that were birthed uh, right back in the 19th century uh, and uh, there was a, an amazing time of church growth around those times uh, and uh, no doubt uh, you know you might be across some of that detail too but country towns have christian foundations so when we talk about a christian foundation for the nation oftentimes we're reflecting on what formed those country towns and uh, you know going back to the wall as well uh, your thoughts yep. on country towns carl Oh, look, they're fantastic. Soul of the earth places, uh, wonderful places to grow up. I mean, they are, they can be small, they can be isolated, you know, um, when you when you move into Sydney and you're used to everything is kind of around you, and if you have to wait more than two days for something, you, you feel, you know, uh, quite annoyed, whereas, you know, it's a lot more isolated in country towns, and getting the facilities, that the things that you need, whether it's whether it's equipment that you order in or seeing a doctor or specialist, you know, all of that's uh, incredibly difficult. And yet there, there's just a, a real sense of community. On those country towns, Neil, uh, you know, everybody listening to us will know that, you know, as they drive around New South Wales and most other um, states, you'll drive into a country town and see at least four churches and they all look like, they all look very similar and they all look like they were Built at a very similar period of time, and uh, and I, I remember driving through towns and thinking, knowing, noticing that, and never thinking about it. And everybody listening, if he drives around country towns, Neil, will think 
yeah, ever, almost every country town I drive through has a few churches and they all look a bit the same and they all look as old as each other. And there's a very good reason for that. And the reason is the, uh, um, the 18 th 1836 Church Act. So there was a New South Wales governor and his name was Richard Burke. And Burke believed, and he was a high churchman, a Christian, high churchman. Burke believed religion was good for the country, that Christianity was good for the nation. And if Australia was going to grow as a nation into a mature adult nation, it's going to need Christianity and faith as a part of that nation. And for faith to thrive, they're going to need, they're going to need churches to meet in. So Richard Burke started the 1836 Church Act, which lasted for about 30, 40 or 40 years. And what Burke would do is to say to any community anywhere, if, if you have a community of faith within a church, we will give you a thousand pounds to build a church. And he did this for the Catholics, the Anglicans, the Presbyterians and the, the Wesleyan Methodists or the Methodists. And if you go around these little towns, you will see a Catholic church, an Anglican church, a Methodist church, if they're still open, and a Presbyterian church, if they're still open. And they were all built around the same period. And here, and, and, and Burke was motivated by two things. One is the idea that religion was good and we want to invest in Christianity in these country towns. Uh, they also invested in schools and, Christ, and church schools, Christian schools. But secondly, the reason that there's four and not one, now if you go back to England, there was a lot of sectarian violence between the Catholic Church and the Anglican Church of the Church of England. And that, and that violence goes back and that tension, that sectarian tension goes back centuries. But in a way, England sort of had one key in the Anglican Church, the Church of England. And Burke wanted to avoid that. And so part of the part of Burke's motivation to avoid it, and remember, this is in 1836. This is this is a long time ago in a very different era with a de very different ethos around churches. He was never going to he was never going to just fund or resource or support one church because he didn't want to see that happen. So that's why he resourced four churches, which is actually part of why churches, as they've grown in Australia, have grown across the denominational divide without having just one individual church. And you'd have to say that that absolutely changed our nation. Carl, we started talking about country towns just before the news and uh, the thought that while country towns have suffered a whole lot, uh, a brain drain, uh, losing teenagers, uh, times are changing. People are looking for a tree change. A lot of people even thinking they might move back into the country. It even got a feel to me like uh, you might even be doing that as a mission pursuit, going back to the country because those Christian foundations can be built upon. What are your thoughts about the country churches? Uh, look, that's... The country churches are, in lots of places, uh, are struggling. I mean, I, I understand that. And, it, and, it, and the country, the country towns, uh, Neil, it varies a great deal, as, as all uh, everyone listening to us would understand. You know, you've got, I, I said before that I grew up in Tambar Springs and we filmed, went back and visited and filmed in Tambar Springs. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm not being critical of Tambar Springs, but it's it right now, it's a, it's a pretty sad and small place. It's tiny. Yet then we we filmed and uh, did some work in, in Tamworth. Uh, we filmed in Armidale. Uh, I visited for another reason just two weeks or three weeks ago, Bendigo. And those places are booming. 
And, uh, you know, Dubbo, a huge um, regional place where I'm going to be speaking in Dubbo in just a couple of weeks on the 22nd of May. If you're listening from Dubbo, come and join me at Dubbo Baptist Church on the 22nd of May. So those big places and part of the reason this is happening, Neil, is that the cities, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, so expensive. Uh, one of the biggest growths in costs across Australia has actually been Hobart. And, and that it's just a simple case of economics now that it's it's so difficult to um, try and buy into or exist within a place like Sydney where, you know, there's a whole bunch of discussions lately about how expensive tolls are in Sydney. Just driving around a place costs you on an average salary, trying to, to either rent or buy in Sydney and just get around the place is so expensive that for young families, they think, let's let's find a better option. And it's, so it's not just, there is certainly people who are, you know, retirees who are taking the opportunity to, to have a tree change, which all sounds very romantic. A lot of it is more generated and changed out of economics. Uh, where can we afford to live? And where can we, you know, rather than just rent all of our lives, where, where, where's something that we can have a place, which is what, you know, a very big Australian dream of having your own home. Now, where can we do that? And every time people move, and, and uh, you know, I, I notice the numbers of people moving out of Melbourne and Sydney is just enormous, thousands of people. What they take with them is the opportunity for the gospel into those places. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Mike is in Tasmania. Hi, Mike. Welcome along. Hi there. In, in Launceston, there was a guy from Yorkshire in the 1800s called Henry Reed, and he became a Christian mm. on a on a perilous ship journey and came back to Tasmania and became a, an evangelical force in, in the Launceston area and did good things. And his daughter went off to the China Inland Mission, and then her son is Hudson Fish of Qantas. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yes. yes. So are you yeah. familiar with any of that story there, Carl? Henry Reid's story we didn't do Mike great to hear from you and 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 if you you know all of that story you'd know that's an ins inspirational story uh, Henry Reid and Launceston I, I probably don't need to tell Mike this but Launceston was actually a really powerful place for ministry and the gospel but also the spreading of Australia because because Melbourne and Victoria was actually settled out of Launceston and and uh, in 1830 yeah, I think 1836 or something, wasn't it, Mike? Uh, and, and there's a, a book written by a Tasmanian um, called 1836 uh, by a guy called James Boyd, uh, Boyce. And James Boyce actually makes the point that he thinks that the settling of Melbourne out of Launceston was more impacting in 1836 than the First Fleet arriving in Sydney in 1788. Now, that's a good way to sell your book because <laughs> that'll get people's interests. But uh, as Mike would know, it's very interesting because as they were farmers and they were sheep farmers looking for grasslands and they spread really quickly across Victoria. But uh, the, the Christian history and the, the faith history of a place called, like Launceston is quite remarkable. And the, and the Henry Reid story. Now, I'm trying to remember, Mike, is there is the church named after Henry? Is there a church named after Henry Reid? Or is that another guy? Well, actually, it's now, it's, it's now called Gateway Baptist, but it was it was built by his wife after his death and it's called Henry Reid Memorial Baptist Church. That's that's it, yes. And now it's Gate, Gateway Baptist, yes. But, yeah, I, I, we, we, were, we seriously thought about doing the Henry Reid story, but... Um, Mike, it's one of those that didn't quite make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
he, he's um, he, the, the Qantas fellow, Hudson Fish. Yeah. I assume he was yeah. named after Hudson Taylor of, of Tony Inland Mission. Yeah, that, that would be right, wouldn't it? And and we did a we in our last series, Jesus the Game Changer Two. Uh, we did a quite a, we we talked quite a bit about um, Hudson Taylor, the China Inland Mission, and and the work they did in China, which is absolutely amazing. Because we we uh, interviewed Oz Guinness, and Oz Guinness was connected into all of that uh, on the medical side because his parents were doctors in China. And um, yeah, it, it, look, and the other thing about Hudson Fish is he's actually connected as well to um, John Flynn, who started the Royal Flying Doctors. Because when, when, when John Flynn wanted to start the Royal Flying Doctors, and for those who are listening and don't know, John Flynn was a Presbyterian minister. And when he started the Royal Flying Doctor Service, stayed as a Presbyterian minister, and that motivated what he was doing. But he actually worked with Hudson Fish in creating a plane that could carry a... Um, could carry a patient and uh so the first plane used as a kind of royal flying doctor's plane was developed with hudson fish from Qantas. mike in tasmania great contribution thanks so much for your call our talkback line remains open on 1-800-316-316 our special guest is carl Fays. we're talking about his new documentary series it's called faith runs deep and uh, great getting these sorts of insights uh, because sometimes we don't appreciate our history and so a series like this gives you an opportunity in your local church to appreciate some of this history that you're not going to hear necessarily anywhere else. In fact, you've got to pick up a historic textbook to be able to find the detail. You've gone through some of those with a fine-tooth comb and you've been able to put things into some visual images for us, Carl. Local churches are going to be the big beneficiaries of this new documentary, aren't they? Absolutely. Now, we're, we're working with the Australian Christian Channel. And in, a, in a, a number of weeks' time, the Australian Christian Channel will actually show Faith Runs Deep. So look out for that if you watch the Australian Christian Channel. But our great motivation actually has, ne- has never been producing material to go on um, even global uh, Christian channels and, and networks, even though it's great to do that. We actually want to uh, motivate and give local churches uh, material that they can use within their church and uh, faith runs deep actually comes with a discussion guide now the discussion guide there's a printed discussion guide and you really like printed discussion guides like lots of people do my wife loves writing in books so if you want a printed discussion guide that's available on our website uh and and uh and then you can watch the series on streamed off at um our if you go to our website olivetreemedia.com.au the homepage on the top right corner, there's a watch button. And then you can join our Watch Plus platform. It's not very expensive, very cheap. And when you get on our Watch Plus platform, you can watch Faith Runs Deep. But interestingly, uh, for a single person at home, uh, you can can watch uh, everything for $4 a month, everything we've ever produced. So Faith Runs Deep, Jesus the Game Changer, Towards Belief, they're all there, all available to you. But that's where you can get onto Faith Runs Deep today. Okay, faithrunsdeep.com.au or give that address again at the end of our conversation. Yep. Hey, let's come back to uh, your story because uh, there's lots of stories to be told, but your own personal connection here is important. Uh, your dad, uh, as you mentioned, a German migrant, and uh, you've got some connection here, the Billy Graham Crusades. What happened with your dad in his history that you know flows through to the Carl Fays we know today? 
Yeah, it's a really interesting story. And, and uh, you know, I, uh, th- there's a, this tiny little church, St. Mark's Tambar Springs. And if you watch, when you watch the series, you've got some beautiful shots of this little church, St. Mark's Tambar Springs. And back in 1962, a new minister came to St. Mark's Tambar Springs, and his name was Daryl Robinson. Daryl Robinson was trained in Moore College in Sydney. Uh, and under the call of God, he decides to go to this tiny little regional church in 1962. This must have felt like the back and beyond. And when he got there, there hadn't, there hadn't been anybody at the church for years as a minister. His son, Paul, has been in contact with me and said he can remember moving into the 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 uh, the rectory and there's cobwebs everywhere and no water and all of this. But Dale Robinson felt he had a had a, a call of God to go there. And he was the first person, first minister who went there, who was really committed to gospel ministry, talking about the life and teaching of Jesus in a way that would bring people to faith. But Dale Robinson's wife had been influenced by the Billy Graham Crusades in 1959. And when he gets to Tambar Springs in 1962, he decides to have a mission. And there'd never been a mission like this before in Tambar Springs. And he got two, he got two of these city, as Paul, his son, said to me in an email not long ago when he heard about what we were doing, uh, two city slicker preachers. <laughs> these two city slicker preachers. One was um, John Chapman, which lots of people would know, and a guy called John Turner. And they turned up. Well, everybody in the whole district turned up to listen to these two city sticker preachers. And one of those people that turned up was my dad. Now, my dad grew up in Germany in the Second World War. His dad left home when he was only two or three. He had no kind of faith, spiritual background. He, he uh, wasn't very strong in English, turns up. So there's no, there's no kind of religious background in my dad. But he gets invited, so he turns up and he listens to the, the guy speaking. And then he thought, I should talk to this John Turner guy. So he talked to this John Turner afterwards. He wrote, my dad passed away not that long ago. But he written all this down in a, a little memoir. It's not a published book. It's just a, a, a memoir that he wrote and he gave to his kids, gave to us to read. And in his memoir, he said he spoke to this guy, John Turner, and in 1962. And John Turner said, can I pray for you? And dad said, sure. He wasn't even sure what prayer was. He wrote that down. And he said the guy prayed and he went out, drove home that night and, and everything was different, Neil. Life yeah. changed. Well, that's it an was, it, it, We'd call that an just encounter changed his with life. God. An encounter with God that happens and yeah. uh, a powerful thing when someone prays for you because they bring God into yeah. your circumstances. And uh, your dad experienced yeah. that on that night. And that obviously yep. flowed down because uh, here you are, obviously influenced by yep. your own dad and his uh, his transformation that came with that encounter. Yep. Hey, uh, yeah. you, you you were travelling extensively, and we're talking about country towns. Uh, you met a few characters along the way. Uh, any memorable ones you can you can think of? I reckon the one that that sticks in my mind most was when we went to Dubbo. And I said earlier, if people are listening from the beginning, I've met a guy called Paul Rowe, the Outback historian. And Paul Rowe said, oh, you know, you should go to Dubbo and you should interview Riverbank Frank. Now, Riverbank Frank has became a bit, bit famous last year because Riverbank Frank was referred to by the prime minister because Riverbank Frank is an indigenous leader and elder in the community. And, uh, and now he's called Riverbank because he lives in a caravan on the riverbank. And, yeah. and Riverbank Frank encouraged Indigenous people to get vaccinated. But Riverbank Frank's passion, along with Paul Rowe and other people in that community, was to 
to let people know about a guy called Bill Ferguson, William Ferguson. And if you go to Dubbo, there's a mall in the middle of Dubbo, and in the middle, in this mall, there's a small statue, and the statue is of Bill Ferguson. And Riverbank Frank sees, whose story, Riverbank Frank's story is absolutely unique, and we tell that on the series. But Bill Ferguson, Riverbank Frank, thinks is is Australia's uh, Martin Luther King. And he's a guy that was Indigenous in his background, a Scottish father and an Indigenous mother, I think that's how it worked. And as a young man, he got paid uh, working around, um, you know, the, the wool yards and the wool sheds and and he got paid one day and he noticed that his other cousins who were indigenous got paid less than him. And he said to his dad, how come they're getting paid less than me? And they said, well, that's because they're black. And, and, and Riverbank Frank said that just raised up an indignation within him. And he spent the rest of his life campaigning for indigenous people. And he is just a remarkable character, Bill Ferguson. And the thing about Bill Ferguson is he, because of his mixed um, heritage, he, he could have passed off as somebody who was an Italian or, you know, because he didn't look particularly Aboriginal, but he identified with his Aboriginal brothers and sisters and uh, was part of the AWU, part of the Labor Party, but was a was a elder in the local Presbyterian. All these guys are Presbyterian, um, Neil. It's just remarkable. Yeah. He was an elder in the local Presbyterian church, and that motivated his faith, his work, and his and, and his passion for the indigenous of this nation. It's just a great story. On a very serious note here, uh, as things are, you know, a little divided right now between Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and non-Indigenous Australians, uh, there is a certain divide that's there. It's been cultivated in some sense by some sectors of the community. Understanding the Christian heritage of our nation, that's going to be a very, very powerful platform, isn't it, for any reconciliation yep. issues into the future? Pe- people perhaps haven't recognised that so clearly yet, but as you tell these sorts of stories, our Christian foundation is our hope for the future of this sort of reconciliation, yep. isn't it? Yes, and, and we if there's one group of people that's overrepresented in this series, it's the Indigenous people of our nation. We Out of 46 interviews we did, I think six to eight of them, I haven't counted them up, are actually Indigenous people. And they tell their stories. And what they will say is, you know, John Harris, who's not Indigenous, has written the book One Blood. Uh, he, he, you know, we talk about the, the great injustice that... Uh, that colonialism is, you know, that's a terrible injustice. And and we can't ever kind of white, you know, paper that over. It's a terrible injustice. But that doesn't mean Indigenous people aren't open to faith and aren't impacted by Jesus. They have been, even in the midst of injustice. But that brought Jesus. And uh, people like Anne Patel Gray, who's a first uh, Indigenous Australian to get a PhD through the Sydney University, talks about the fact that, you know, religious life, deep spiritual life has always been a part of the Aboriginal nation. And as Sandra Dumas says, who's a pastor in the Tweed Valley, the Tweed Heads area, uh, she and her, and her husband, Willie, run a church um, up, up there in Tweed Heads, basically says, you know, we, we needed Jesus, but but spirituality has always been there. And, and even though there's all these awful stories, uh, especially around the stolen generation, faith still runs deep in that community. And uh, and uh, the the elders like 
like Peter Gibbs from Dubbo, who we interviewed, you know, basically say, you know, forgiveness has got to be a part of the, 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 the future. And there is, there is no future without some sense of forgiveness. Now, we can't demand it, but they're saying that within their own lives, within faith within their own lives, that's what they have to extend uh, to those in the, in the community. And there, there's intractable problems within some of these regional and outback areas that we're seeing in the news, even, even last night in the Northern Territory. Just awful, awful um, problems to try and get past. But faith within the Aboriginal community is certainly there. And as Sandra Duma said, it may not be within the four walls of the church, but it's certainly within community. And uh, Indigenous people, Indigenous uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders in the census uh, actually tick a Christian box more at a higher percentage rate, 58%, than your average white Australian. So, which is a interesting kind of anomaly given all the tensions around colonialism. Wonderful insights. And, you know, time is drawing to a close. Uh, you travelled widely. We've talked a lot about some Western New South Wales. You uh, you travelled fairly widely. Give us an insight into uh, just maybe, you know, maybe gloss over a whole lot of things, but a quick uh, quick fire uh, where you went and maybe some of the some of the names of some of the stories you've told, Carl, uh, for listeners. Uh, well, we... we- yeah, we, we went as far north as Kingaroy, so there's a lot of Queensland we didn't get to. And we went down the east coast. We went down to, to Hobart. Uh, so we took the ute across the spirit of Tasmania into Hobart. Then we drove through Tasmania. But when we were filming, the Western Australia and the Northern Territory were both closed. So we filmed, uh, for, for those uh, listening to us in South Australia, we filmed out at Sejuna. We filmed at the Pink Lake and we went all the way to probably within 100 kilometres of the Western Australian border and we filmed at the Bunda Cliffs and, and, and right across all of those places. Uh, and we did just did wonderful stories. Here in Sydney, we did we did a story of Tony Huang who, uh, who was selling drugs uh, and caught selling heroin on the streets of, of Cabramatta as a 14-year-old and jailed and then ended up selling through the gangs of Cabramatta came came to faith and now runs a church, the Potter's House Church in Cabramatta, r- remarkable. Up in Kingaroy, we interviewed Tim Kelly, who's a bull rider, and he has a bull riding school, and uh, interviewed him about the fact that he won the um, Calgary Stampede uh, under-23s world championship uh, bull riding or saddle bronc. Um, and but was a was a heavy drinker. Just even though he was winning in in bull riding and saddle bronx, just needed faith. And talks about him coming to faith here in Sydney. We talked to Eloise Wellings, who's an Olympic runner, and and her story. Uh, Peter Gibbs, who I've talk, who started I Proud, bringing Indigenous young people into the police force. Peter Gibbs tells his story, and he was uh, from Dubbo. Um, all these stories are t- telling stories out of the Barossa Valley, and we we took. Roy Williams from here in Sydney to the Barossa Valley and told the story of George Fife Angus and uh, and uh, the the Lutherans coming to the Barossa Valley, which started the wine industry in the Barossa Valley. Um, all of these fabulous stories right across our nation. Wonderful. And it's a 12-part video series. And these sorts of stories, just very quickly, uh, the value for a local church uh, to make this a part of maybe a small group series or to run in your church on a Sunday night service, uh, what's, the, what's the best way a church could utilise this new uh, documentary series, Carl? Well, two ways, Neil. One is just use it within your small groups or use it across your church. And uh, you can stream it, as we've said, off our website. 
and then and then get the the, the guide you can if you can get a paper guide or the guide that there's on the streaming site there's also that study discussion guide is on the streaming site so once you get there you can everything you need is there on the site and you can use it through small groups one of the things that we're doing neil this year in mudgee next week in mudgee on the 14th of may in mudgee then the 16th of june in bendigo and then on the 11th of august in tamworth we're actually holding um an event and it's a combination of all of a number of local churches are coming together to sponsor and support this event colin buchanan singing i'm speaking one of our guests so colin buchanan one of our guests interviewed i'm speaking but the local churches after that event are going to run six weeks of watching faith runs deep so you can use it as a small group just as a discussion you can use it across your church to be focused on one subject or you can actually gather churches together do a regional event and then encourage people to watch Faith Runs Deep afterwards. So lots and lots of opportunities for local churches to use this as a ministry resource to be encouraged or as a gospel resource to reach their community. Well, here's how you can connect uh, with Carl Fays, this new documentary series. It's called Faith Runs Deep. Faithrunsdeep.com.au Faithrunsdeep.com .com.au, a 12-part video documentary series. Uh, you can also connect with Carl at Olive Tree Media. That's olivetreemedia.com.au. Carl Fays is CEO of Olive Tree Media and uh, Faith Runs Deep. All the best with this new series. Look forward to hearing some good reports. Uh, Carl, thanks so much for sharing these things with our listeners today on 2020. Been fabulous to be with you, Neil. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.